Lenten people of God who will soon shout Hosanna. Connie and I have tried a different approach to Lent for several years. Instead of trying to give something up for 40 days, we've tried to give away to get rid of 40 things during the season. Connie does it better than I do. But I tried to do my best on Monday. It was a day for outside work, over five hours of working in my yard. What did I get rid of? Forty small branches from the crepe myrtle tree next to our driveway. And while balancing, you don't need to know how high on the two step ladders I was, 2,040 clumps of ball moss, some baseball size, some the size of a dime. And then 140 white rocks sorted out of the river rock in our new landscaping and distributed elsewhere. There. Done. Maybe not. I'll come back to this at the close of tonight's homily. Do you see a difference between intention and promise? I do. I want to do certain things, better things. I think a lot about doing those certain things, those better things. I may even say to you or to Connie or to myself, I'm going to do this. But my intention isn't the same as a promise. And this is a key for the Lenten season, leading us ever closer to the salvation-working events of Holy Week. What God has said he will do. Listen again to King Solomon's words after his prayer of dedication of the temple. Blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel according to all that he promised. Not one word has failed of his good promise. God led his people out of slavery through the parted Red Sea to Mount Sinai for worship and the giving of the covenant. He guarded them from their enemies. He fed them with manna and quail. He even made sure their clothes and their sandals didn't wear out for those 40 years of wandering. All the Lord promised he did. Not one word failed. Then the words of Paul to the Roman Christians, he reminds them and us of Abraham, who in hope believed against hope. God promised that he would be the father of many nations, but Abraham had no children. God promised a son, but Abraham and Sarah were too old. I can't explain it. I don't understand it. But Abraham did not weaken in faith. He remained fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. The word promise didn't occur in tonight's reading from John 10. Yet Jesus speaks promise after promise. The good shepherd will lay down his life for the sheep. The good shepherd will not flee when danger approaches. The good shepherd knows his sheep and will call others to be part of his sheepfold of salvation. The good shepherd will lay down his life. He will go to the cross at Golgotha, but he will also take it up again when the lamb who was slain is raised in glory on the third day. So we say as boldly as Solomon, the Lord Jesus 
All the Lord Jesus promised he did, not one word failed. Now it's time for the final time during these Lenten days to take these Christian questions with their answers. I'm going to ask questions 18, 19, and 20. Please read aloud and together the answers. Finally, why do you wish to go to the sacrament? What should admonish and encourage a Christian to receive the sacrament frequently? But what should you do if you are not aware of this need and have no hunger and thirst for the sacrament? God makes promises. He doesn't simply offer positive intentions. What God has said he will do. He keeps his promises. Here's how I rephrase Luther's questions, but especially number 20, about wishing and being encouraged to receive the sacrament of the Lord's Supper and to do so frequently. Am I alive? Yes. I'm breathing and I have skin. I'll pinch, but not too hard. I am alive. If I am alive, then I am a sinner. If I am a sinner, I need forgiveness. And because, not if, I need forgiveness, I look to Christ. And this is what our Lord and Savior states and promises. This is my body. This is my blood given and shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. I said earlier that I have a hard time getting rid of things, of leaving the old stuff behind. So, this disc was given to me by my then prospective son-in-law, Andy, for Christmas in 2008. It's had some good use, but it got a little brittle and it cracked, and I still have it. This soccer ball was given to me by you, or at least by some of you, back in 2014 after I went to Brazil for the World Cup. It won't hold air any longer. It's not really worth kicking around, but I still have it. What would our Lord get rid of if he visited 1311 Summit Creek? I'm pretty sure it would be more than and different from this disc and this soccer ball. He would get rid of all the stuff that no one else can see and that no one else knows about. But Jesus sees 
and knows. And he wouldn't just discard only 38 more things to get to the number 40. That would just be a good start. He would take out the trash, my trash, and replace it with the treasure of his righteousness. Because our Lord Jesus is full of surprises. As Romans 4 declares, the offspring of Abraham are not his heirs through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if it is the adherents of the law who are to be heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. The surprise is mercy, not getting what we deserve. The surprise is grace, getting what we do not deserve. The surprise is that he takes the useless and worthless things and makes us brand new. The surprise is that Jesus, who was accused of eating with tax collectors and sinners, Luke 15, verse 2, that he still does that here every Sunday. For his command, do this, doesn't stand by itself. It is followed by this powerful promise for the forgiveness of your sins and of my sins. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.